0: Hello there. My name is Sister Catherine Herms. Welcome to this conversation on what forgiveness is and what it is not. Part of a series I'm calling Forgiveness, Only God Can Do It. Forgiveness isn't easy and yet it is one of the clearest marks of our becoming like Christ. Of our heart beating with the same love and attitudes and desires as the heart of Christ and our thoughts purified by the mind of Christ. So let's begin. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, Forgiveness is the Christ-like suffering, which it is the Christian's duty to bear. Again, forgiveness is the Christ-like suffering, which it is the Christian's duty to bear. That stings. No one likes bearing suffering. The idea that Jesus has made suffering a part of Christian life and a part that we can't escape doesn't make it any easier. In fact, I've seen this idea lead to anger at Jesus. I'd like to tell you a bit about the story of Cory Ten Boom, and I'm sure you've heard about it from the very popular book, The Hiding Place. She was born on April 15, 1892 in the Netherlands, and she also didn't find forgiveness easy, even as she, in her later years, preached the gospel message of love and forgiveness to others. The Ten Boom family had decided to hide Jews in their home during the occupation when a woman in May of 1942 knocked on their door asking for refuge. The father readily took her in, although the police headquarters was only half a block away. The whole family worked in the resistance until on February 28th, two years later in 1944, a Dutch informant, Jan Vogel, told the Nazis about the Ten Boom's work. And a little afternoon that same day, the Nazis arrested the entire Ten Boom family. In September of 1944, the Nazis deported Corey and Betsy Ten Boom to the Ravensbrück concentration camp for women in Germany. Now, life at Ravensbrück was almost unbearable. But Betsy and Corey spent their time there sharing Jesus' love with their fellow prisoners. They held worship services after the hard days at work by using a Bible that they had managed to smuggle into the camp. Through the two sisters' teaching and examples of unfailing charity, many of the prisoners there converted to Christianity. While they were imprisoned at Ravensbrook, Betsy and her sisters had already begun to discuss plans for founding a place of healing after the war. Unfortunately, Betsy's health continued to deteriorate and she died on December 16th, that same year at the age of 59. Before she died, however, she told Corey this, and this is that famous line everybody knows. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. And you can imagine when she's on her deathbed, practically, that she truly begins to see almost with the eyes of God. She truly begins to have this sense of the kingdom breaking through even in this very difficult and deplorable situation. There is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. Twelve days later, Corey was released because of a clerical error. She returned home amid the hunger winter but she still opened her doors to people with disabilities who were in hiding for fear of execution. After the war, um, Ten Boom advocated reconciliation as a means for overcoming the psychological scars that were left by the Nazi occupation. In her presentations after World War II, when she sought to be a voice of healing, Corey used to say to people who came up to her with their own stories of bitterness and non can you forgive this person? When they said they couldn't or that they didn't know how they could ever forgive the person who had hurt them, she would reply, no, I can't either, but God can. That kind of sounds a bit Pollyannish, doesn't it? I remember though one time in confession, telling a priest that I couldn't forgive someone under whom I had suffered for many years. And I had tried, seriously tried, to forgive her for many years, again and again. And his words broke through the cycle of my struggles that seemed to be getting me nowhere. He said to me, yes, you can. You can forgive because Jesus makes that possible. Jesus who died on the cross for you and for them." These are words backed up with grace and rooted in the ground of truth. And they really made a huge difference in in that capacity of my heart to open up in the forgiveness I so longed to desire to give. So maybe instead of talking about whether or not we have forgiven, we should instead acknowledge in our whole life that We are simply learning how to forgive, learning how to love enough to to bear this responsibility of being the forgiving and merciful Jesus in the world today. After the war, Corey returned to the Netherlands to set up a rehabilitation center. The refuge housed concentration camp survivors, but until 1950, only took exclusively sheltered, jobless Dutch, who had collaborated with the Germans during the occupation. And after that period of time, it accepted anyone in need of care. She also returned to Germany in 1946 and met with and forgave two Germans who had been employed at Ravensbrück, one of whom had been particularly cruel to Betsy. Corey went on to travel the world as a public speaker, appearing in more than 60 countries, and she wrote many books during this period. But there was a story run in guideposts in the year 1972 in which she narrates how she came to realize that she herself was still learning how to forgive. She had just finished speaking in a church in Munich, and it was 1947. She had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. As people filed out of the basement, this heavy-set, balding man who was clutching a felt hat, she said, between his hands and approached the front of the room where she stood. And as soon as she saw him, it came back with a rush. This man had been a guard in a large room at Ravensbrück, where the newly arrived women had to undress and leave their clothes and shoes in a pile. In shame, they have been forced to walk naked past this man. And now he stood there, pathetic himself, humbled, And he said this to her, You, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard in there, but since that time, I have become a Christian. "'I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, "'but I would like to hear it from your lips as well,' "'Fraulein,' and his hand came out. "'Will you forgive me?' "'Corey stood there, frozen, ice clutching at her heart. "'Her sister had died at Revensbrook. "'Did this man think that he could just erase her slow, terrible death?' Simply by asking for forgiveness, she wrestled in her heart with the most difficult thing she had ever had to do. And finally, after what seemed hours to her, but which were probably just seconds, she remembered that forgiveness is an act of the will and not of the emotions. That's so important. Forgiveness is an act of the will and not the emotions. So she prayed silently to Jesus for help, and she told him, Jesus, I can lift up my hand. I can do that much, but not much more. You, Jesus, must supply the feeling. In her her own words that were recorded in the story and guidepost, she said, And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one that was stretched out to me. And as I did this, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes, and I cried out, I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely As I did right then. So let's let's talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not easy. We can only forgive because God has forgiven us. It is only by experiencing this forgiveness ourselves that we can understand how precious it is to give this gift to another. We all have received the mercy of God. He has forgiven our sins and washed them away even though we don't deserve it. And this is why St. Paul can say in a letter to the Ephesians, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It is an act of the will. As Corey faced a gentleman who had been a guard when she had been at Ravensbrook, her heart's thermometer was cold and small and frightened. Even though she preached forgiveness with her actions and her words, even though she knew that she had been forgiven by God and needed to respond to this person before her begging her for her forgiveness, her heart's reactions did not correspond to what her mind knew. She simply asked Jesus help, and by an act of the will, stuck out her arm and asked God to do the rest. What she experienced, she says, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. What she experienced was God's action within her. It was gift. She received in her own spirit the divine love and mercy that characterized the heart of God. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. The expectation that we will forget the person and actions through which we have been hurt is called denial. I'm sure Corey was haunted all her life by what she had experienced in the concentration camp and by seeing her sister Betsy die such a slow death there. Her prayers, Her encouragement to others, her preaching, her actions to provide places of healing for those who had suffered as she had in those concentration camps, as heroic as they may have been, were softened and sifted and saturated by her own struggles with memories, heart movements of loss and grief, flashbacks and psychological struggles as well as her desire and determination to be a person of reconciliation, to really be a person of the kingdom in this world, which in that particular time was in so much chaos and so much pain and needed so much healing and reconciliation. She was determined to be with her eyes on Christ, a person of the kingdom in the world today. Forgiveness does not excuse the wrong. Forgiveness doesn't say that what was done doesn't matter. If it didn't matter, then there would be no need of forgiveness. Instead, forgiveness respects and reverences what has happened and the deep wound it has caused. Forgiveness says, I know what you did. It hurt me. It damaged me. It wounded me in ways that I may bear for the rest of my life, but I will not hold it against you. Those words again, so clear, so simple, but so powerful. I know what you did. It hurt. It damaged me. It wounded me in ways that I may bear for the rest of my life, but I won't hold it against you. But I won't hold it against against you. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. In any number of ways, Corey had forgiven those who had destroyed her family and her Jewish brothers and sisters. She encouraged others to forgive them. She had run a house for rehabilitation for concentration camp survivors, which until 1950, exclusively sheltered jobless Dutch who had collaborated with the Germans in turning in their brothers and sisters during the occupation? She traveled to Germany to meet with and forgive two Germans who had been employed at Ravensbrück. But that night, in the basement of the church in Munich, God asked her to go a step further. Reconciliation, however, requires repentance. In her case, that former guard who approached her had repented and had even become a Christian. He extended a hand and asked her directly for forgiveness. There are many times that we may forgive, but reconciliation at that point is not a question. There is no repentance. It would be dangerous or unhealthy to reconcile with an individual who could continue to hurt us. There are other times, however, when we can offer this reconciliation. In Corey's case, she probably never saw this man again. When we take that next step of reconciliation, it does not mean that we are required to resume friendships or move back in with the offending individual. We can reconcile without putting ourselves in the position of being hurt again particularly when we ourselves have not healed sufficiently to create and enforce clear and healthy boundaries. So what forgiveness is? We looked at what forgiveness is not. What is forgiveness? For us, forgiveness is a matter of becoming capable of being given the power, this divine power, to disrupt the cycle of continued wrath and suffering that up to this point we have experienced as inevitable. Forgiveness is always going to be demanding, costly, and a freely chosen effort. Others cannot tell us when and how we must forgive. No one but we ourselves can require us to forgive. As we wrestle with forgiving, there are three things that I want to share with you that will help you open yourself to God's grace. The first thing. Pay attention to how thoughts about that person actually make it more difficult to forgive. Take your mind off of the person. Don't give yourself the luxury of grumbling. Don't justify yourself or feel sorry for yourself. Don't imagine ways that you could get even. When you see those thoughts coming in for a landing, just tell them that there is no place for them in your heart. Second, remember that you yourself have been forgiven any number of times. Recall a time when God has shown you His love and let you start again. Remember a time when someone else has shown you mercy. Ask God to help you call to mind times when you have needed forgiveness just like any other sinner. Practice being grateful for the mercy that you have been shown by the Lord. And third, whenever the person who has hurt you comes to mind, say the words, I forgive you, whether you feel it or not. Remember that forgiveness is an act of the will, and our emotions often deceive us. Just because we feel anger and hatred for another Our will can still choose to forgive, to at least say the words, I forgive you. Ask the Holy Spirit to pour God's love into your heart. And when you are ready, you can take the next step of asking God to bless this person. We can only offer ourselves to God's action in us, to seek, to suffer, that is, allow, And to trust. And in that effort, as we saw with Corey, God will supply for all that we fall short. God bless you.